Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. What is veto base? A proposition to open up the people's government. Veto base. And what is the Republican position? Unless the co-equal branch of government, the House of Representatives, says yes to the President of the United States, you will continue to support ad infinitum closing down the American government. Our Russian uh, uh, I won't call them enemies, but adversaries, at least, are very happy, I'm sure, that the American government is shut down. Our Chinese competitors are very happy that the American government is shut down. We look ridiculous on the national and international scene. I asked one of my Republican colleagues to stand, and I will yield to them. Tell me which government of the world shuts themselves down. You're correct. The answer is I can't find any government in the free world that shuts themselves down. Is that what... You won't vote for opening up your government, the people's government? Is that what this fight is about? Or is this fight about, Mr. President, you tell us what to do? 
Mr. McConnell says he won't put anything on the Senate floor that the president won't sign. My, 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 what a co-equal branch of government we are. The Article 1 says we make the policy. We decide what's rational to spend $5.7 billion on. When experts tell us this wall won't work, but Senator Cornyn, Senator Graham, Senator Kennedy, other senators have said this is not a good investment. And by the way, somebody else who said that was Mick Mulvaney some years ago, who's now chief of staff at the White House. This is not a partisan issue, and this is not about the wall. Nor was it about the ACA. Nor was it about the level of education funding when Gingrich shut down the government, or when Ted Cruz and the Freedom Caucus shut down the government. Thank God for John Boehner, who had the courage to put and say, shutting down the government does not make any sense. It's a stupid policy. Thank God for John Boehner, who came to the floor, notwithstanding the fact only 87 of his Republican colleagues would support him. And with all the support of the Democrats, we opened up the government after 26 days. Now, we've exceeded it this time. And what happens two weeks from now when the president says, either you do it my way or no way, or I'm going to shut down the government? We are paying a high price, Mr. Speaker, for shutting down this government. Not only eight, the, the 800,000 hostages that have been taken by the president of the United States, with the complicity of his Republican supporters in the House and in the Senate. 800,000 people. 440,000 of them forced to work without getting paid. 360,000 of them sitting home and saying, how am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to pay my car payment? They don't know. I talked to a veteran just three days ago who represents a lot of veterans organizations who said to me, you know the highest reason for veteran suicide? I said, no, what is that? Fiscal uncertainty. We have a lot of veterans in the federal government. We have a lot of veterans who are either laid off or working and not getting paid. We are creating financial instability and anxiety among our employees. What a stupid way to run a business. Yesterday, we had a motion to recommit, and it was to strike opening up the government in the United States. That was apparently, as the chairman, chairwoman has uh, expressed, a poison pill for my Republican colleagues. Mr. Speaker, I don't get it. We were sent here by our people to make their government run more efficiently and effectively for them and for our country. Devastating. And what have we done? We've said if the president won't agree to opening up the government, we won't either. Yes, we've tried every kind of alternative. Open it up in seven days. 
Open it up for 14 days where we can negotiate. Open it up for, and now we're saying, open it up for a month. Put people well, back to work. Give them a paycheck. And what does the President's Council of Economic Advisors say just the other day? We're hurting the economy of the United States, which hurts everybody and the international community. I don't get it. I can't think that the American people will get it. That their Congress sits supine and says, we will only pass something if the president says it's okay. Have we come to this state where the Article I branch of government, given the power by the people to make policy, says to the person in the second article, given the responsibility of executing policy, tells us, you guys who make policy, don't do it unless I tell you you can. How sad. How lacking in respect for our own responsibility and duties to sit idly by. Why not only 800,000 people are held hostage, but by millions and millions and millions of others who are served daily by those 800,000 people. I plead with my colleagues. Stand up. Reject this policy of shutting down government. Whoever does it, whichever side does it. And we don't do it. We don't believe in it. Mitch McConnell doesn't believe in it. He said it just a few years ago is a failed policy. And he, Senator McConnell, was the guy that opened up government. That's what he said. And he's now abandoned at that, unfortunately, to the detriment of our country. Not just to the detriment of our federal employees, to the detriment of the country. Mm. Mr. Speaker, I would hope every American would call their member and say, look, you guys have differences. That's all right. But don't shut down my government. Don't hurt my economy. Don't hurt my neighbor. Don't hurt my mom and dad. Don't hurt my child. Don't send people to the border to make us secure when you talk about border security and then don't pay them and have them worrying about uh, when they're going to get their next paycheck. We're better than this. We're a lot better than this. The Congress ought to be better than this. They should. But a lot of them are just... A lot of them are just... So afraid of Donald Trump. So afraid of Donald Trump. All right, welcome everybody to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And this is another show. This is the third show, I believe, on the government shutdown. Every show is going to be uh, dedicated towards opening up our government from these thugs and crooks in Washington who are keeping us held hostage. Donald Trump. This show and other shows will be about opening up our government. Uh, A little diversity uh, here or there, but basically it's going to be about opening up the government because that's what has to happen. I think uh, tomorrow, uh, from the date of this show, tomorrow will be the third check that the federal workers uh, will be going without. 
eight eight hundred thousand federal workers will be, will be going uh, without a third check, and that is totally putting a lot of hardship on America. That is, um, as I've said before, that is taking a com- the the economy down down to the ground. It, it's heartbreaking to s- turn on your television or your computer and you see people. Ordinary people, just like you and me, uh, everyday folks uh, working, uh, but they do not have jobs right now. It's, it's, it's sad to see them, not actually too sad, uh, to see them at a, a food pantry. And and some of these uh, politicians who don't know what it's like to live from paycheck to paycheck or even to go to an eight-hour job every day, some of these people are just brain brain clogged. Uh, you know, they don't know crap. Uh, and a lot of these politicians are laughing at people using food banks, uh, shelters, uh, until this government shutdown is over. A lot of these guys, uh, these millionaires, uh, Congress people, representatives, and senators, some of them are laughing at people who are struggling and suffering. And and that is so true. They're laughing. I mean, it's funny to them, you know. Um, they, I'm hearing that they tried again uh, today to try to get the government open, and it failed. It failed. And I'm hoping Nancy and Donald Trump something for what Americans do not want. The vast majority of Americans do not want this wall. Uh, why is President Donald Trump and the Republicans trying to uh, make us believe that there is a crisis on the border when there is not a crisis on the border? Uh, Donald Trump is trying to make us believe that everything, every criminal in the world is coming coming across the border. We don't need no law. He's going to try to use eminent domain to get the problem to steal the property from those owners on the U.S.-Mexico uh, border to build a wall. He's going to use eminent domain, meaning that he can take their property. He can steal their property from them. Obviously, if he thinks about building a wall, he's thinking about stealing their property, taking their property out from under them. This Donald Trump uh, never ceases to amaze me or anybody. Uh, this as I've said several times before, this is not about a wall. This is not about a wall. This, um, he's, some, I've heard some people say, um, uh, it's not about a wall. He wants that 500 or $7 billion from Congress to line his pockets. Because it's not about a wall. I mean, I mean, they can say, uh, let's get down to negotiating this or that, but it's really not about a wall. It's about control. It's about power. It's about uh, keeping his foot on the backs of people's necks. Farmers out here. I mean, you got farmers out here. They're suffering. This is not about a wall. Will he get money to build his wall? I don't know. I'm pretty sure the uh, the Democrats are going to give in. Uh, at some point, but they know they shouldn't give in to this guy because if they give in to him now, uh, they will be giving in to him forever. 
that will be a, a bad cause for America. They will be giving in to him forever. Stand your ground. Do not give him a cent. I don't want to see. There's other ways of uh, negotiating uh, about the security on the border. You don't have to take people's lives away from them. You don't have to take people hostage. You don't have to extort. All this, all of the crap that Donald Trump is doing is against the law. The federal uh, police should be busting down the White House door, handcuffing this guy and taking him out to jail. Because this is totally, totally extortion. It's kidnapping. It's uh, holding hostage to try to get what he wants, try to get something that he wants that America does not want. And there is no crisis on the border. Now I'm hearing that he's going back into his emergency fund. Uh, he cannot get those emergency funds unless he shows that there is an emergency. And there is no emergency. You have to take that to a federal judge. Another reason why I think Donald Trump is shutting down the government, he's trying to shut down the investigation into him. I mean, he's trying to shut down the Mueller investigation. He's trying to shut down the federal courts so they, don't have, so they can't uh, prosecute him, subpoena him, indict him. He's doing this for that also. People have to realize Donald Trump is doing most of this. It's not about a wall. That's fake. That's corny. That's bullshit. It's not about a wall. It is about Donald Trump trying to shut down the Mueller investigation into his 2016 and ongoing crimes. He figures if there's no federal court, there will be no indictments. There will be no subpoenas. There will be no arrest. He'll get away with it all. He, he, I mean, look at this. He's already packed the courts with uh, Republicans That's his get out of jail card right there You know And uh, he's he's uh, Packing the cabinet His cabinet with people who Who are there uh, For only one thing and that's to Tear down that agency or that Department that they're in charge of That's why he appoint these people These most majority of these people that Donald Trump Appoint to some of these cabinet posts they have no experience whatsoever. Whatsoever. You know, so so forget about this being a wall, about the wall. No matter how much the Republicans say it's about a wall, Donald Trump, you know, he lies through his teeth about a wall. It is not about a wall. But they are not going to say that. They are not going to say that. Donald Trump is going to take half. If, if the Democrats... Uh, cave and give Donald Trump what he wants He's going to take half of that money Or some of that money And pocket it And pocket it and possibly get away with it Who knows But it's totally 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 Unfair for Donald Trump To ask uh, the American public To pay for something That he promised Mexico would pay for Now he's lying And said he and saying he did not Tell at, did not say Mexico, excuse me, did not say Mexico would pay for it. He's saying he did not. One of the things he did not say that taxpayers were, was going to pay for it. Now he's trying to shove this shit down our throat, trying to steal our money to get us to pay for something where there is no emergency. That he and his colleagues are saying there is an emergency. 
They're lying. There is no emergency on the U.S.-Mexico border. He wants this money to feed his ego. He wants something to say uh, uh, that he done this. Uh, maybe he wants to get this ball, this wall built so he can say, well, I did it. That wall is because of me. I fought for it. Possibility. Oh, he's going to go down in history. Uh, 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 lying and man- trying to con the public about an emergency on the uh, Mexico border, U.S.-Mexico border, when there is not. He's going to go down in history with, for, with this, folks. You know. So basically, uh, we want the government open. The American people want the government open. This is ridiculous. This is totally, totally ridiculous. The economy is suffering from this because people don't have money. They have money they can't buy. And when people can't buy, businesses uh, go out of business. The economy is all about uh, circulating uh, cash throughout the, throughout the system. If you don't, if a person doesn't have money, they can't spend it. And if you don't get your paycheck, that business over there will not, will not get your money. So it, it's bad on everything. On, on just about everything there is. Air traffic controllers. I mean, you know, we need those people. They're the ones who keep being, who keeps the airplanes from running into to each other. On any given day, there's about 5,000 airplanes in the air, and somebody has to uh, make sure that they don't run into each other, crash into each other. Apparently, the Republicans, they don't give a damn about that either. What would they say if their uh, children or grandchildren or wives or wives, whatever, were on one of these planes and the government is shut down and the air traffic controllers are being furloughed? Suddenly that plane with their family on it crashes into another plane. I guess what I'm saying here, uh, Congress politicians in Washington, they are just in much danger as the rest of us, rest of us are for their bladed uh, wanting to prolong this shutdown, this governmental shutdown, American shutdown. They are just as much to blame. And every, even, I'm hearing right now that they're, even after the failed bills that they had passed today to reopen the government, they're still trying to work on something to open uh, the government back up. But so far, nothing. The government can be uh, opened back up in, in, in just one hour. All they got to do is vote on it and agree on something, and wow, voila, it's open. Cash will start flowing to these agencies, and these people will go back to work. But in some cases, this governmental shutdown has done a lot of damage so far already. It has done so much damage that some of the damage cannot be uh Repaired. Repaired. A lot of these people have lost a lot of their self-esteem because they, you know, are treated like pawns in a game with the Republicans. And they are. They're like a, a piece on a chessboard or something. 
You know, these people are. And that's wrong, and that's totally wrong. Donald Trump and his legacy, this, this will be his legacy. He will never live this down. 30 years after he's dead, we're going to still be talking about this. 100 years, 50 years, we're going to still be trying to heal America from all of this mess. One of the things that American, Americans can do uh, going forward is to try to vote out as many, as many Republicans as possible. It's going to take a while, but there is no doubt about it. Try to vote them out. Try to vote out as many people that you think is responsible for this government shutdown and putting you in dire straits. You're suffering. Your family's suffering. You can't pay your mortgage. You can't pay your rent. Uh, your car note is behind. Your kid may have to drop out of college because you can't no longer pay for his. You no longer have money for his or her tuition. This is a Republican-made mess, and the crisis on a, and the crisis they say that's on the border is manufactured and made up. Whenever you hear somebody say, "Well," Uh, it's a crisis on the border. Do not believe it. I mean, you can go to the border yourself and ask some of the border patrol people if there is a crisis. And I'm pretty sure if they're not in Trump's ass, they will say no. No. If there was a crisis on the border, it would have been all over the news. It would have been breaking news all over everywhere saying that there's a crisis on the border. Terrorists are coming across the border. Drug dealers are coming across the border. Murderers and thugs and rapists are coming across the border. There is no crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border. This is all about power, control, and a bunch of lies that these people are trying to make us believe, especially the stupid. There is no crisis. Donald Trump manufactured and keep manufacturing all of this. There is no wall. And majority, like as I've said before, 80 to 90 percent of Americans don't even want a wall. People who once wanted a wall, they don't want one now because they are being uh, affected by this shutdown, this prolonged shutdown. This is They'll be missing a third check. A third check. And the Republicans, I had I heard someone say, I think on cable television or, or on a computer or somewhere, or YouTube, I heard someone say that the Republicans, and I've been saying it forever, and I've been saying this forever, excuse me. The Republicans, they do not care about your plight. They do not. If they try to pretend like they do, you know, it's going to be very telling. And then some Republicans will just come out and tell you that they don't give a damn about your plight or, or, or what you're going through because they shut down the government or they're going to, they want to keep it shut down. 
It's 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 a mess, folks. And this show is all about opening up the government. Every day the government is down, uh, shut down. Uh, my show will be dedicated to opening back up the government. I don't see, I, I can't really see anything there is, more, anything that is, excuse me, anything that is more concerning than getting people back to work to the jobs that they love. I've heard a lot of people say they love their jobs, especially some of these federal jobs. Uh, getting people back to work, putting paychecks in their hands so they can go out and buy stuff and lift lift up the economy. So this show is always be about until the government opens, open up the government. I'm gonna I I try to make that plain when I'm doing the marquee, and I try to make that plain for some of the uh, people or clips I may have on the show. Matter of fact, I do have a guest on the show today. Uh, what? Uh, okay, she's Lola Scarborough. Okay, let's see if that happens. And she, I don't know, she owns a, she's a, yo, oh, excuse me, yoga studio owner. Okay, yoga. <laughs> I remember some things about yoga. All righty. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and we are going to, let's see. Okay, I. I think she's here. Let's see. I am. All right, you on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hi, George. Hi, Lola Scarborough. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. All right. You emailed me uh, earlier saying, are you sure we're going to be on tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I just like to make sure nothing's changed. That's that's okay. That's fine because we haven't. Uh, it's been a while since I booked you, but I usually write this stuff down, so I should I know ahead of ahead of time. Okay, you are a yoga you you own a uh, yoga studio. I do, and uh, it's also a wellness center right. where we do all different kinds of things. All different kinds of things, like what? Uh, we do uh, life coaching, we do nutritional counseling, we do okay. meditation, that sort of thing. Okay. You know, I, uh, I I had a friend of mine years ago, and she was telling me about getting into yoga and doing all kind of... I, I always thought yoga was a female thing, and uh, I didn't really understand it being something that a male would do. How do you feel about that? Well... Yoga originated from India, and in mm-hmm. India, it was basically a male thing. Females did not okay. do yoga at all. Oh. <laughs> so it's kind of okay. it's been turned on its head here in the U.S. Yeah. It came from a, yeah. a male, uh, kind of a place of males practicing it to now in the yeah. U.S. where a oh, large yeah. majority are the female. And what are some of the uh, benefits of, of uh, yoga for the average person? One of the greatest benefits is it allows yeah. you to get out of your head and into your body. So okay. for, for a lot of people, we spend a lot of our time in our head. We think, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're kind of brain-driven. So one of the best things about yoga is that it kind of shuts the mind down, causes it to quiet down, and allows you to drop in to the deeper parts of who you are um, in, in the yoga practice that I do. We call it our heart center. 
where you can kind of hear the small, still voice of your soul, uh, your higher self speaking to you. You must, uh, you must really be into yoga because I, I, I'm assuming that you didn't always own a studio. You must have really gotten into it because you saw a need for this kind of uh, instruction. Absolutely. As you know, and kind of as mm-hmm. you talk about in some of your podcasts, it's a crazy world out there. It's so nutty. It's good to... <laughs> 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 and it just keeps getting crazier. So one of the things that yoga does is it tells you, okay, I can't control the world out there, but maybe I can control for the next hour um, the way I feel, my happiness level, my comfort level with myself. Um, You know, again, speaking to that small, still voice inside of my heart, maybe I can hear that instead of the the craziness that's going around me. Yeah, it's a good... I would think it's a good source for meditating. It is. Uh, meditation and, and yoga are a little bit different. Uh, they're a okay. little bit different practices, although your mm-hmm. yoga can be your meditation. Um, for a lot of people, yoga is a, a physical practice where in uh, yoga it's called asanas or yoga postures. Mm-hmm. Whereas with meditation, it's more, um, more of where you're – we're in a place of stillness, even though you might be doing yeah. some movement, you might be doing some yeah. breath work. Um, mm-hmm. It's still in a, a place that is more a place of stillness than usually when you're doing yoga or asana. Do, a, do an individual has to be really, really limber in order to do the uh, exercises pertaining to yoga? Not, do you have to be... Uh, go ahead. No, not at all. It just depends on the type of yoga you do. Um, Yoga has become kind of like a Baskin Robbins. You pick your flavor based on, you know, what it is you like. Um, So let's say, let's say you're someone who is, let's say you've had injuries. So many people have had injuries and that limits Mm -hmm. their mobility. Well, they could go into a restorative class or a gentle yoga class or a chair yoga class. And um, everything would be kind of geared towards people who are not in the absolute tip-top physical condition. Okay, so uh, if you're just uh, coming into yoga, if you're just experiencing it, uh, you don't have to sit down and cross your legs and put your feet on the back of your neck. (laughs) I've seen them do that. Absolutely (laughs) not. I can't put my feet on the back of my neck, and I've been doing it for 22 years. No, I've, I've seen people put their feet on the back of their neck, twist their legs all around their stomach. I... They sure can. They can do that. Yeah. But yeah. you don't have to do that to get the benefit that you need, um, which is, you know, again, being connected to your body, kind of disconnecting mm-hmm. the mind, going into the body. Um Feeling yourself again, feeling your body, feeling its movement, feeling it breathing, noticing, you know, that it's a part of you. It's at least as much a part of you as your mind is, which I think a lot of us forget. What would you say would be, let's say if you decide to do yoga at home, how many minutes a day should you 
do it if you if you're in shape and if you're uh, if your mindset is where it should be and you want to do yoga at home or or wherever how many minutes uh 20 30 minutes should you spend do, doing yoga well some of it depends on the kind of yoga you're doing and also oh, okay. what your what your intention is so let's say your intention is to do a full yoga practice you want to do a practice where you have the asana, which is the exercise, and you want to add a meditation to it, and you want to do a little bit of breath work. So maybe an hour, 75 minutes, or let's say you just want to do it for fitness purposes. You know, you just want to bump in there and, you know, do some yoga to stretch out um, 21 minutes, you know, and anything in between. There are all kinds of different uh, Timing's available to meet whatever needed is you have. Mm-hmm. What are the benefits of yoga on your well, body and on your mind? Benefits, some of the benefits are that it strengthens your central nervous system. To me, that okay. is one of the biggest benefits because most of us, we, we don't even realize anymore how stressed out we are. We live in a place exactly. where we stay so stressed. So much of the time, we don't even remember what it feels like not to be stressed out. So um, one of the greatest benefits is that it naturally lowers stress by strengthening the central nervous system, by causing you to focus on what you're doing, like a body movement and asana or your breath work or your meditation, um, so that the outside noise kind of just drops away, even if it's just for five minutes or 11 minutes or 31 minutes or an hour, Mm -hmm. you receive a lot of benefit to your nervous system. Wow, that's that sounds magnificent because I I was told that I should years ago I was told I, was, I should get into yoga. Yeah, I don't know. Someone thought it would help my sort of uh, anger issues. Well, <laughs> I don't I don't think I had them at that time, but they said yoga is is will be good for that. And yes, it is. That's right. Like anger issues or. That, that I think that's why I mentioned me- I think that's why I mentioned meditation. Yeah. Um, well, you might not want to start with meditation if you have anger issues, because you just okay. sit there and you get more pissed off by the minute. Um, <laughs> Probably. You're sitting there and you can't make your mind stop thinking. So yeah. um, before before you do any kind of meditation, uh, usually it's a good idea to do some sort of a physical practice so that you kind of clear the mind out so that you can sit. But um, the, the yoga I practice is called Kundalini Yoga, and we actually have sets that work with anger um, and work with the liver, which is where anger uh, stores, or if there's an imbalance in the liver, it shows up as anger. Um, so depending on the type of yoga practice you do, uh, you can directly target emotions through working with the body. Um, there are different mm-hmm. asanas that pressurize the liver or bring fresh blood to the liver um, that can help with liver issues like anger and irritation. So, and then once, you, once you've got the physical part of it mastered, then the mental part of it, which will happen in meditation, okay. is yeah. where you go. Okay. Um, meditation is always kind of coming after 
the physical part. That's what I recommend for most people. Okay. So how are how are how is your studio doing? Are people uh, enthusiastic about it? They're they're asking you questions. They're coming into your studio and wanting to uh, do yoga. Yeah. Um, when we mm-hmm. first started, uh, we are in a uh, what is now really a suburb of Houston. But when we yeah. first started, it was kind of almost like the country. And nobody had ever heard of, <laughs> nobody had ever really heard of yoga. Um, they didn't know <laughs> what it was. They viewed it with fear and suspicion. And this was just 11 years ago. Um, wow. There were a lot of there were a lot of concerns about it um, in terms of uh, feeling fearful of it impinging on their Christianity. Um, people misunderstood yoga as a practice and thought of it more as something that came from India as a religion. So there was uh, quite a bit of re-education that had to go on, and and now we're thriving at yoga studio. When we started, we had one student. And it took us five years to build the studio to where um, it was really a yoga studio. And now we're thriving 11 years later. Congratulations. It sounds like a a successful uh, business you have there. And people are, are, you know, I always say uh, you find a need, fill it, and people will come. Yes, that's very true. How long has one more question? One last question. How how long has yoga been in existence? Well, you get all kinds of answers from different people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, one could say you said that you mentioned India, so I was wondering, wow, how long has it been? You know. Well, it's known for certain that it's been practiced for about 2,500 years. There are other okay. sources that would say it dates far back into antiquity, not in the way it's practiced now, but um, but yoga in the sense of something that you do to connect with your divine self and with the divine uh, in the universe has been practiced for um Mandatory evacuation. Thousands and thousands and thousands so, uh, of years. Yeah. Lola Scarbell on the George Wilder Jr. show. Tell us how we can get in touch with you. Give us an email address. Give us an address where where people have listened to the show can, you know, uh, if they're interested in yoga, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, my email address is Lola, L-O-L-A, Lola uh-huh. Yoga, Lola, Y-O-G-A-L-O-L-A dot com. And my website is yogalola.com. And uh, I love it when people reach out to me. I love to share information. Mm-hmm. I have a lot mm-hmm. of different e-how videos out there on yoga mm-hmm. as well. So you can Any find books? me out there in cyber world. I do. I have a book. And yeah. uh, it's actually a a uh, book about uh, natural preven- natural prevention for breast cancer, and mm-hmm. um, I I published it in July of last year, so it's pretty new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the name of it? It's called Fighting for Our Kids. Okay, Fighting for that. That's great. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that's gorgeous, Lola. Feedback from that. <laughs> Lola Scarville on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hey, thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving us all that great information, and I hope that you are continued successful 
in your uh, yoga business, you know. Thank you so much, George. I appreciate you having me on. No problem. Bye-bye. Prosecutors are implicating the President of the United States in two federal crimes during the 2016 presidential campaign. The stunning new memos give us an unprecedented look into the probe and say former attorney 
Michael Cohen acted, I'm quoting now, at the direction of Donald Trump. When he committed campaign finance violations for hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels and former Playboy model Karen McDougal, but it doesn't stop there. Special counsel Robert Mueller also believes the Trump Tower project in Moscow is relevant to Russia's 2016 meddling. And it's not just a matter of Cohen lying about the timeline. All of this happening as Mueller says former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort lied about five major things, including how long he stayed in touch with White House officials after he was indicted. Mueller indicating communication was going on as recently as this year. All right, let's get right to it now. CNN politics reporter Jeremy Herb is on uh, the president being implicated in two federal crimes now. Good to see you. So what more can you tell us? Yeah, that's right, Fred. You know, this was one of the most revealing windows we've had so far into what the Mueller investigation has uncovered. And what's most significant here is that for the first time, the U prosecutors from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan said that Trump directed Cohen to commit crimes during the campaign when he asked women and paid women not to speak about the alleged affairs with Trump. Now, the big looming question is, what does this mean for the president? Trump tweeted last night that the filing clears the president, but he is implicated in these crimes that Cohen committed. Now, the DOJ has not accused the president of a crime and has said that, in fact, a sitting president cannot be indicted. But this is certainly a matter that Congress is going to take up once Democrats take back the House next month. Now, in addition to the talk about the women, uh, Friday's filings revealed that new contacts between Michael Cohen and Russians as part of the Trump Tower Moscow project early on in the campaign. And what Mueller did here was he connected the Trump Tower Moscow project, which was pursued in 2015 and into 2016, with questions about Russian election meddling, saying that Trump stood to benefit business-wise had the project gone forward, and that discussions were ongoing at the same time that Russia was actively meddling in the election. Now, prosecutors recommended a substantial sentence for Cohen as part of uh, this memo last night after Cohen's attorneys had hoped that he would get no prison time and requested that on their side. Um, Cohen is facing charges of tax fraud, campaign finance violations that are tied to these payments to women, and also lying to Congress about the Trump Tower Moscow project. He's set to be sentenced next month. Fred. All right, Jeremy Herb, thank you so much. Appreciate that. All right, if you ask President Trump, um, he's free and clear. The president tweeting this morning saying this, quote, after two, uh, two years and millions of pages of documents and a cost of over $30 million, no collusion. Our White House correspondent Boris Sanchez joining us right now. So, Boris, uh, what else is the White House saying about all of this? Hey there, Fred. Yeah, the White House essentially saying this is no big deal. The president, as you noted earlier today, tweeting out that there is no collusion. However, this isn't Robert Mueller's final report. These are just sentencing documents for his former campaign chairman and his former attorney. Uh, Sarah Sanders put out uh, a statement yesterday, yesterday addressing both of these filings. Uh, here's what she wrote about Michael Cohen's filing. She writes, quote, The government's filings in Mr. Cohen's case tell us nothing that wasn't of already known. Mr. Cohen has repeatedly lied, and as the prosecution has pointed out to the court, Mr. Cohen is no hero. Not included in her statement is an explanation of 
Whether President Trump was aware or not of that Russian national that approached Michael Cohen suggesting that the Russian government could have political synergy with the Trump campaign. She also writes about Paul Manafort, uh, and she writes, quote, The government's filing in Mr. Manafort's case says absolutely nothing about the president. It says even less about collusion and is devoted almost entirely to lobbying-related issues. Once again, the media is trying to create a story where there isn't one. Uh, that's certainly not the case, especially considering that it was revealed yesterday that Paul Manafort was having conversations with a senior administration official as recently as May, something that was not addressed in this statement either. Uh, as we noted previously, Jeremy noted the president yesterday tweeted out that these documents clear him. The question of whether he understands that he is individual one in these documents is still out there. Of course, individual one directed Michael Cohen to commit campaign finance violations. We'll get a chance to ask the president that as he departs the White House later today. He's heading to Philadelphia to attend the Army-Navy game, Fred. All right. We, uh, and he doesn't usually, you know, pass up an opportunity to speak, so we'll see if... Um if you'll do that today. All right, Boris Sanchez, thank you so much. All right, joining me right now to discuss a former assistant to Robert Mueller and former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin and Politico's congressional reporter and CNN political analyst uh, Rachel Bade. Good to see you both. All right, so Michael, you first. You know, the president, you know, has been implicated in now two federal crimes. The president, of course, tweeting out, no collusion, downplaying this. But in your view, how significant are these connections, are these sentencing guidelines, these two crimes now being connected to the president? Well, the Southern District of New York has determined in its pleadings that Michael Cohen committed felonies at the direction of the president, then candidate Trump, and therefore, uh, by inference, the president has likewise committed two crimes. Whether they would ever be prosecuted, by a prosecutor, leave aside whether or not you can indict and prosecute a sitting president, is probably uh, unlikely. These are cases that require a lot of complicated proof about the intent to influence the election. But that all aside, this is what the Southern District of New York says. The president instructed Cohen to violate the law. And there's just no way uh, that that's helpful to anybody. Mm -hmm. and, and Rachel, you know, so his fingerprints, you know, allegedly are, are on it, the president's fingerprints here. But then the president tweeting that this news totally clears him. And we've heard him, you know, in the past, you know, imply that he is above the law, even saying, you know, he could shoot somebody, you know, in Manhattan and nobody, uh, you know, would, would really flinch at that and he would still get elected. So is this the president really realizing that this is very serious or is he you know, dismissing this? Is he naively, you know, dismissing all of this? You know, I bet there's probably a difference in what he, you know, feels privately and says publicly. I mean, mm. very contrary from clearing him, this digs him in uh, several feet deeper. You have not just a former lawyer who has turned on him and who has lied before mm -hmm. saying that Trump directed him to pay off these women, uh, which was illegal given the campaign finance laws, but these are federal prosecutors who are saying that Trump directed it, calling him individual one, directly implicating him. Another thing I would say is, you know, the plot is really thickening when it comes to the whole collusion aspect and question of collusion. You know, Democrats, even on the Hill, had sort of let go of that narrative because there wasn't a lot of proof that something was going on. But these filings, what we saw this week, was that Mueller is getting very close to connecting and, and is very much saying there's a connection between Trump having uh, business interests in Moscow and trying to get a Trump Tower built there and approved there 
and what the Russians were doing in terms mm -hmm. of offering this political synergy uh, and then later interfering in our U.S. elections. So mm -hmm. he's really building this case right now. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Obviously, you cannot indict a sitting president. At least there's no precedent for that. It would be very unprecedented if they did. Mm -hmm. So Democrats on the Hill, when they take over, uh, they're going to have to ask themselves, are they going to try to impeach the president? What are they going to do about this? Because it's really probably going to come down to them. Hmm. And so, Michael, you know, an example of the interest that uh, the president, the stakes that he has, you know, in Moscow with the development... We're all about the shutdown here at the George Water Jr. Show, and I thank my guest Lola Scarborough for her... Uh, letting us all know that we probably should be taking up yoga. <laughs> anyway, we're back with the, uh, I think it's the 33rd, 34th day of the um, stupid shutdown in America. It's crazy. It's loony. It's, it's, it's almost, I can't find any more words to say about it. I'll just be repeating myself. But anyway, I'm going to repeating myself until the government is open, is open. And don't be afraid to go in, around and share this show, download this show, stream this show, um, and um, tell your friends, your family, because we're all in, all in this together. When people are out there protesting the government shut down, protesting not getting paid, protesting being ordered to come to work without a paycheck or soon to get a paycheck. That's crazy. No one should work without a paycheck. I mean, you got Trump ordering people back to work, ordering people. He should be asking people, not ordering people. He's not king. He's not dictator. He doesn't order anybody. But they... Uh, uh, reported as Trump ordered people back to work. And so many of us out here are saying, if you're not getting paid, if they're not going to pay you, do not go back to work. I mean, this is not slavery. Trump administration, as I've said before, folks, they don't care. They don't give a damn about your life. They don't care if you have to go to work every day. They don't care if you have a car payment or a mortgage payment or you have to pay rent or you have other bills cell phone bills and, and numerous other bills, gas, light, electricity. They don't care. Because if they did care, we would not be going into a second month of the shutdown. The person, one of the people uh, around that can end this shutdown is Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. It's Mitch McConnell. Feels like I need a drink of water or something. <laughs> Maybe we should take a break so I can get a drink of water. Anyway, it's Mitch McConnell. And he said that – you probably heard this. He said that uh, he's not going to override the president of the United States. And the protesters, they are out there in this man's ass as they should be. I mean you get all of these old 
I mean, I've got nothing against older Americans, but when you got a bunch of old people in government, in Congress, who are trying to tell you what is best for your life, something is not right. It's, it's the old people who are shutting down the government. Trump, Mitch McConnell, uh, what's his name? Um, John Cornyn, and all those other fools. Shutting down the government. They don't give a damn about your plight. They don't care about your business. They care about your car. They don't care about your family. They don't care about you paying your rent or your mortgage. They just don't give a damn. They don't give a care. The Democrats, they do. Republicans, they do not. They don't care about you, period. Even though you have you voted for them. You put their asses in office. You gave them their salary. You gave them their great health care, better than the one you've got. But yet, their master is Trump. That's their master. A thug, a criminal, a traitor, a terrorist, a con man. This is who the Republicans pled their allegiance to. A criminal. Instead of to the people who actually voted their butts into office. The hell with those people. And I've said a few years ago, the Republicans do not care anything for you. If you're not rich like they are, if you, if you don't own a corporation, if you don't own a, 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 a high-class money-making, profiting business, they don't care anything about you. You're getting food stamps. They don't give a damn. You, you're going to work every day, working from check to check. They think you're a fool. They call you failures. But when you get that little paycheck, hey, <laughs> you're on top of the world. Republicans do not care about Americans. And this was long before Donald Trump. Believe me, it's been a while. The Republicans have been trying to get rid of food stamps, SNAP benefits forever. They've been trying to get rid of Social Security and Medicare forever, long before Donald Trump came on the scene that I know of. So a lot of these programs uh, uh, that the Republicans are trying to get rid of now, they've been wanting to get rid of them for years. But the thing about it, not too long ago, the Republicans had the House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives. They did exactly nothing. Nothing did they do. And this goes back to my other assertion. The Republicans cannot govern. They cannot lead. Even uh, Paul Ryan, who, who is now out of Congress, out of politics, he said it before he left, and I agree with him. He said, politics are broken. Yeah, it came right out of, it, right out of, right out of his mouth, excuse me. Politics are broken. And guess what I said? Yeah, they're broken because your party broke them. It, it was you and your party who broke them. It wasn't the Democrats because the Democrats did not control anything at that t- particular time. They didn't control nothing. The Republicans controlled everything. They cannot govern. The Republicans know how to do a few things, and that is cheat, lie, con, bullshit. 
but they can't lead and they can't get anything done. And I've said this, I'm going to say it again. This shutdown is stupid. It's crazy. It, it didn't have to be because it's not about a wall. It is about Donald Trump trying to circumvent the federal government to keep his ass out of jail. So when you hear that it's about uh, the wall, that's a fantasy. That's a bunch of lies. And most of us who, who have an ounce of a brain knows that. Trump knows it. There's no border crisis on the um, U.S. border. There's, there's no border crisis. And I'm hearing now he's considering on uh, eminent domain, meaning stealing those folks' lands from them on the U.S.-Mexico border to build a wall, a useless wall, a, a wall that will not keep anything out. I had a guest on the show the other day, and I said, whoa, why would he want to build a wall when they can just get a ladder and climb up over it or dig a tunnel and come right up? You're not going to keep people out with a wall. It'll be a waste of money. Yes, I am all for border security. I think everybody is for border security. But you don't need to shut down the government and have uh, thousands and thousands, if not millions of people going into hardship, struggling, can't feed their families, can't feed themselves, can't pay their rent or their mortgage. This is ridiculous. This is totally ridiculous, and this show is going to be about opening the government until uh, it finally opens. And I want to say to people out there listening to the show, share this show, uh, not because I want want ratings or I want publicity or I want to be seen. Share the show because it's important. I don't give a damn about publicity or being seen or or being famous or being uh, honored or anything like that. I don't care about anything like that. It's about our country. It's about America. So share this show, every one of my shows, share them, because they are about some of the same things I'm talking about now, if not all of it. Uh, And please do stop thinking, if you are thinking, this is about a wall. It's not about a wall. It, It really isn't. All right, we're going to take a musical break with, I believe, Eric Clapton. Let's let's do that.
looking still like a slave By the long years every Friday I come Straight to home with a home my pay Have you ever been mistreated? You know just what I'm talking about with Senator Kamala Harris. She's a Democrat from California, first elected to the Senate in 2016 after 20 years as a prosecutor, including stints as the District Attorney for San Francisco and Attorney General of California. And Senator Harris has also been laying the groundwork for a run for the White House. It is great to have you with us on this special holiday. Do you have an announcement you'd like to make? I am running for President of the United States. And I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. You, you mentioned 20 years, I mean, we mentioned 20 years as a prosecutor. If you win, yes. you're going to be commander-in-chief. Yes. What qualifies you to be commander-in-chief? Well, first of all, let me just say I love my country. I love my country. And this is a moment in time that I, I feel a sense of responsibility to stand up and fight for the best of who we are.
and that fight will always include as one of the highest priorities our national security and thinking about it in a way that we understand that we must be smart we must understand the power that we have the strength that we have that is about military power it is about diplomatic power it is about the power that we have in terms of what has been until recently our moral authority in the world and our ability to work with our allies i am a career prosecutor as you said my entire career has been focused on keeping people safe. It is probably one of the things that motivates me more than anything else. And when I look at this moment in time, I know that the American people deserve to have somebody who is going to fight for them, who is going to see them, who will hear them, who will care about them, who will be concerned about their experience and put them in front of self-interest. You love this country. You also love your family. And for I people do. who do not know, your mother was born in India. Yes. Your father was born in Jamaica. Okay. And they met when they were both involved in the civil rights movement That's exactly uh, right. in California at Berkeley. That's and in right. fact, your mother met Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, she did. Cannot be lost that you're making the announcement on That's this right. day. Is that important to you? It is very important to me. You know, Dr. King. My parents were very active in the civil rights movement, and that's the language um, that I grew up hearing. And it was about a, a, a belief that we are a, a country that was founded on noble ideals. And we are the best of who we are when we fight to achieve those ideals. And the thing about Dr. King that always inspires me is he was aspirational. He was aspirational like our country is aspirational. We know that we've not yet reached those ideals, but our strength is that we fight to reach those ideals. And that inspires me because it is true that we are a country that, we, yes, we are flawed, mm -hmm. we, we are not perfect, but we are a great country when we think about the principles upon which we're founded. And yes, so today, the day we celebrate Dr. King is a very special day for all of us as Americans, and, and I'm honored to be able to make my announcement on the day that we commemorate him. President Trump has already said he wants to run again in 2020. Uh, you sit on the Senate Intelligence Committee, the Senate Judiciary Committee. You've been looking at the Russia I I investigation. Right. Have you seen any evidence that President Trump has committed an impeachable offense? I cannot talk about the evidence that I've received in the Senate Intelligence Committee, but I will say that there is no question that Bob Mueller is conducting an investigation with the highest level of integrity. He is clearly taking the job very seriously. There have already been 33 indictments, and it is incumbent on the United States Congress to do everything in our power to ensure that his investigation is, is whole and will be complete without any interference. It sounds like you don't think William Barr, the president's nominee for attorney general, can oversee it in a fair manner. Well, you're right, and during the course of the questioning of him, because I sit on the Senate Judiciary Committee, I expressed great concern, um, and I am very concerned that he was unwilling to agree that if the career people in the Department of Justice say he has a conflict and that he should recuse himself, he wasn't willing to agree that he would do that. We cannot... Uh, Back to your point about my career, my entire career has been focused on our system of justice. It is one of the hallmarks of what gives us strength as a democracy. And it becomes weak when people interfere with that system for political purpose. And no one in particular right now when there are so many Americans that are distrustful of their government and its leaders and institutions, no one should give the American public any reason to question their integrity or the, the integrity of our that? system of justice. Yeah, absolutely.
You've had a long career, only two years in, in Washington, and the senior senator from your state of California says, while she adores you, mm -hmm. that she would support, if he should run, former Vice President Joe Biden. What do you say to people who, who feel that you, you don't have the necessary experience to be Commander-in-Chief? Well, first I'll say that I, they have a long-standing relationship. They go back many, many years because their careers started together in mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. So I don't, I, I'm not concerned about that. Um, it's a friendship and I respect that. But um, let's look at my experience. I have the unique experience of having been a leader in local government, state government, and federal government. What I believe the American people want and their next commander-in-chief is someone who has leadership skills, who has experience, and has integrity, and will fight on their behalf. And on all of those points, I feel very confident about my ability to, to, to lead. I feel very confident about my ability to listen and to work on behalf of the American public. The American public wants a fighter, and they want someone that's going to fight like heck for them and not fight based on self-interest. And I'm prepared to do that. Have you been listening when, when out on the book tour? And yeah. I'm sure the Americans are coming up and they're, and they're letting you know what is most important to, right. to them. What are you hearing from them? What I'm hearing from them is that they want to know that we're going to focus on the fact that right now this economy is not working for working people. They're going to want to know those 800,000 people who have dedicated themselves to public service, those federal employees, they're going to want to know we're not playing politics with their livelihood and their ability to pay rent at the end of the month. Because let me be clear, Robin, and you know this, those folks don't want a wall, they want a paycheck. And as leaders, we need to be able to give them some certainty that we understand what their lives are like. They've got to pay their bills. They've got to put food on the table. They've got to send their children to soccer practice and, and, and go to the, the tutor, and they've got to pay for that. Nobody's giving them a free ride. Nobody else that they require to help them is going to work for free. Why do we expect them to work for free? People want to know, and this is what I hear everywhere I go, that their leaders, and in particular their president, sees them and understands their needs. And right now there are a lot of working families in America whose needs are not being met. The cost of living is going up. Wages have remained stagnant for the most, stagnant for the most part. I've met so many folks who are working two and three jobs to pay the bills. Nobody should have to work more than one job to be able to pay their rent. So there are a lot of issues that I hear when I travel this country, and I pre I'm prepared to, to discuss and listen more, and I'm prepared to lead. You also say you're prepared to speak the truth even when it's uncomfortable. Yeah. One of those uncomfortable truths you speak for a lot of Democrats, you say the left has to get, get over its bias against law enforcement. What did you mean by that, and do you think that's going to be a problem for you in the Democratic primaries? I think it is, um, it is a false choice to suggest that communities don't want law enforcement. Um, most communities do. They don't want excessive force. They don't want racial profiling, but then nobody should. We can have a system that understands, and I know this in my career as a prosecutor, when I have fought in those courtrooms, it has been on behalf of sexual assault victims. It has been on behalf of students who were the, the victims of predatory for-profit colleges. It has been on behalf of homeowners who were the victims of predatory banking practices. People want that. They want to know that our laws will be enforced. And they also rightly should expect that we recognize our system of justice has been horribly flawed. And it needs to be reformed. We have a system of justice that has included systemic racism. 
We have a system of justice where a mother and father have to sit their child down, their son down, when he becomes a teenager and tell him that he may be stopped, he may be arrested, and he could be shot based on the color of his skin. There is a lot of work to do, but to suggest it's one or the other, no, I don't buy that. People want to know that they are safe in their communities. They want to know there will be consequence when a child is molested, a woman is raped, or somebody is killed. And they want to know that their law enforcement is going to conduct itself in a way that is fair and without bias, and certainly without any hint in its system of racism. So there's work to be done. We're going to have to have you back along the trail. Yeah, a lot more questions to ask. A lot more. I'm ready. This has been a very interesting week here in the United States, and no, not just because of the stupid Omarosa tapes. What's really stupid right now is the fact that we have Democrats, liberals out there, trying to defend the honor of a man like John Brennan. In case you're not familiar with it, earlier this week, Donald Trump stripped John Brennan of his security clearance. Brennan was CIA director uh, for many years under Barack Obama. He also worked in the uh, national security offices. People are fucking nuts. This country is full of nitwits and assholes. You ever notice that? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Right. Yes. Nitwits, assholes, fuck-ups, scumbags, jerk-offs, and dipshits. And they all vote. They all vote. Yeah. In fact, sometimes you get the impression they're the only ones who vote. You can usually tell who's been doing the voting by looking at the fucking election returns. Man, it sure ain't me out there wasting my time with a meaningless activity like that. You know those people on the Jerry Springer show? Those are the average Americans. Oh, yeah, believe me, below average can't get on the show. Can't get on. Below average are sitting home watching that shit on TV. Getting ready to go out and vote. Filling out their sample ballot. People are fucking dumb. You can say what you want about this country, and I love this place. I love the freedoms we used to have. I love it. I love that. You know? I love it when it didn't take a fucking catastrophe to get us to care for one another. I love the fact that we're on camera all the time from all angles. But you know what? You can say what you want about America. And I say I love this place. I wouldn't have it any other way. wouldn't live in any other time in history in any other place. But say what you want about America. Land of the free, home of the brave. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. Dumbass motherfuckers. You know? Yeah. Now, obviously, that doesn't include this audience. I understand that. You seem intelligent and perceptive, but the rest of them, holy jumping fucking shitballs. Dumber than a second coat of paint. And this ain't just ranting and raving. This ain't just blowing off steam. I got a little evidence to support my claim. It just seems to me, seems to me, that only a really low IQ population could have taken this beautiful continent this magnificent American landscape that we inherited. Well, actually, we stole it from the Mexicans and the Indians, but hey, it was nice when we stole it. It looked pretty good. It was pristine. Paradise. Have you seen it lately? Have you taken a good look at it lately? It's fucking embarrassing. Only a nation of unenlightened half-wits could have taken this beautiful place and turned it into what it is today, a shopping mall. 
a big fucking shopping mall. You know that? That's all you got. That's all you've got here, folks. Mile after mile of mall after mall. Many, many malls. Major malls and mini malls. They put the mini malls in between the major malls. And in between the mini malls, they put the mini marts. And in between the mini marts, you got the car lots, gas stations, muffler shops, laundromats, cheap hotels, fast food joints, strip clubs, and dirty bookstores. America the Beautiful, one big transcontinental commercial cesspool. And how do the people feel about all this? How do the people feel about living in a coast-to-coast shopping mall? Well, they think it's just fucking dandy. They think it is cool as can be, because Americans love the mall. They love the mall. That's where they get to satisfy their two most prominent addictions at the same time. Shopping and eating. Millions of semi-conscious Americans, day after day, shuffling through the malls, shopping and eating, especially eating. Americans love to eat. They are, they are fatally attracted to the slow death of fast food. Hot dogs, corn dogs, triple bacon, cheeseburgers, deep fried butter, dipping pork fat and cheese whiz, mayonnaise soaked, barbecued mozzarella, patty melts. Americans will eat anything, anything, anything. If you were selling sautéed raccoons assholes on a stick, Americans would buy them and eat them, especially if you dipped them in butter and put a little salsa on them. This country is big time, pig time. Forget the bald eagle. You know what the national emblem of this country ought to be? A big bowl of macaroni and cheese. A big bowl, because everything in this country is king size. King size, extra large, and super jumbo. Especially the fucking people. Have you seen some of the people in this country? Have you taken a good look at some of these big, fat motherfuckers walking around? Big, fat motherfuckers. Oh, my God. Huge piles of redundant protoplasm lumbering through the malls like a fleet of interstate buses. The people in this country are immense, massive bellies, monstrous thighs, and big, fat fucking asses. And if you stand there for a minute and you look at one of them, you look at one of them, you, you, you begin to wonder, how does this woman take a shit? How does she shit? And even more frightening, how does she wipe her ass? Can she even locate her asshole? She must require assistance. Are paramedics trained in this field? And standing right next to her, of course, with a plate full of nachos and a mouthful of pie is her clueless fucking husband, Joe Sixpack. With his monstrous swollen beer belly hanging dangerously out over his belt, beer belt buckle, this guy ain't seen his dick since the Nixon administration. And if you stand there and you look at the two of them, you begin to wonder to yourself, do these people fuck? Is this man actually capable of fucking this woman? It doesn't seem structurally possible that these two people could achieve penetration. Maybe they're in that Cirque du Soleil or something. I'm telling you, the people in this country, uh, every half, every one of them is 50 pounds overweight. They are gargantuan. And in the summertime, God help us, in the summertime, they all want to wear short pants. Jesus, Lord, protector of all that is good and holy, deliver me from fat people in short pants. All right. Thank you so much. That's George Carlin, the late George Carlin, one of my favorite comedians. You'll him, you hear him on this show from time to time. Anyway, let's get back to what uh, this show is all about, and that's getting this government open. 
That's all this show is about, opening up this government and trying to entertain you at the same time, inform you on what's going on and entertain you and and getting this government up and back running. We should all be involved in this. Nobody should be sitting back and hoping someone else is going to do the job for them. We should all be involved in taking back our government, opening our government up, calling these jackass representatives that supposedly working for us and telling them and demanding that they open up the damn government. Stop uh, kissing Trump's ass and doing what Trump wants and do what the American people want. Do what America wants. We have to uh, and that, that's why I say share this show. Tell everybody about this show. Let them hear this show. Maybe this show can you know, get people to moving, get people to acting, get people to uh, wanting to uh, be a part of uh, taking their government back from these rogue Republicans. And that's what this show is all about. We're just about off the air, folks. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank all the callers. Uh, thank callers who are on hold. I didn't have a chance to bring them into the show, but maybe you can call back next week. Uh, we're on four days a week, Monday through Thursday, starting at 6 o'clock to 7.30 p.m., 8 p.m. Sometimes depends on what's going on. Um, yeah, so this is all about taking back the government. Maybe, maybe, just maybe there may be a glimmer of hope that the next time I, <laughs> I come on uh, live on, on this show, on the George Wilder Jr. show, the government will be open because we will not be back until Monday. Uh, that's a couple of days from now. So who knows? I mean, the government could be could be reopened just by this midnight if they wanted to. If they wanted to, the raggling over a wall. Remember, remember this. If you don't remember anything, it's not about a wall. It's about Donald Trump obstructing justice to keep his ass out of jail, period. The federal courts cannot operate without money. So therefore, Donald Trump cannot be indicted. But uh, I don't think that's going to work on his behalf because once he's out of office, someone is going to open the government back up and he will still be indicted and hopefully off to prison because this man, if anybody deserves prison, no one deserves it more than Donald Trump. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Have a nice weekend. And thanks for listening to the show.
from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 